Hey, this is Dan from South Dakota. I just finished listening to your latest episode where you ranted about the uh, Kickstarter campaign and trying to come up with something for you guys to do. I know exactly what you guys need to do for a Kickstarter. You need a Kickstarter project to get Polly a pop filter for his microphone and lessons on how not to breathe directly into it during recording. That would be a wonderful benefit to your listeners, as I quite regularly feel like ripping off my headphones and stomping on them every time I hear Polly breathe directly into my ears. It's creepy. It's disturbing. It's not fun. Just thought I'd throw that, throw that out there so uh, you guys can have an idea on what could really benefit everybody. Thank you. Bye. Iron Man number 10. I did not read Iron Man number 10. How was it? You know what? It's the first of this new run by Kieran Gillum that I didn't care for. Because I read issue nine and I just was eh, on the whole secret origin stuff. It doesn't get any better from that. And I'm I'm disappointed because I so enjoyed the, uh, you know, the Tony Stark galaxy's most wanted kind of kind of story that he had. Mm -hmm. But But even then, that petered out at the end. Yeah, it it feels too Jonathan Hickman-y to me. And I'm getting a lot of Jonathan Hickman right now. Yeah. And uh, particularly this type of feel like, you know, the uh, whole secret warriors, shield, you know, secret history of the Marvel Universe kind of thing. Yeah. What bothers me about it, you know, is it provides this, you know, secret origin to Tony Stark that started, you know, uh, before he was born, Mm -hmm. you know. And he's, you know, special because, you know, his parents were the secret agent types and whatnot. And the the, the tag at the end of the book is, you know, uh, Tony, your parents loved you. All of your parents loved you. And so, you know, you, you gather that there is even more of an extraterrestrial origin to Tony Stark uh, than you were led to believe in the prior issue. And what I dislike about that is one of the great things about Tony Stark is he's a self-made man. Yeah. You know, he is he he is brilliant because he's human, you know, and it so it bugs me that we're going to make him superhuman in a sense, you know, that he's genetically engineered or or something like that. And I just that takes a lot of the fun out of that character. No, I agree. So That's a shame. It is a shame. And I don't get me wrong, it's well written. I just don't care for the story. Yeah. And it's beautifully drawn, and I always kind of dig the recorders, you know, the, the, the robots that are called recorders. Yeah. Um, what bugs me, and we'll talk about this elsewhere in the show, is that, you know, we've got a recorder in the Iron Man book, and we've got a recorder in the Nova book. And, you know, it's one of those things about Marvel where you won't have a, a character or type of character be in the pages of the comics for years, maybe decades, <laughs> and then all yeah. of a sudden you've got them in two of their biggest books, mm-hmm. and that just drives me crazy. Uh, I read uh, Nova number four, and yeah. I read Ultimate Comics number twenty, Ultimate Comics Spider Man number twenty three, and I read a fuck ton of Star Trek comics. Okay, so did you see Star Trek? I saw the first thirty minutes of Star Trek. Save for the show. I will. That is definitely a story. I saw the first thirty minutes of Star Trek, and I walked the fuck out. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if this is a banter topic or not, but the wife made lemon bars this morning. It's not. <laughs> it's just to rub it in. Oh, I wasn't sure which one that was. Okay, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, yeah, jerk face.
Money Books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. Well, hello, guys. How's it going? Pretty, Pretty good. good. I, I understand you just returned from Walmart, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a little sleepy. Um, is Polly so, tired? Oh, Polly's tired. Now, did you, did you camp out? Is that what you did? You camped out at the Walmart? So therein lies a tale. A tale of woe. A tale of woe. <laughs> <laughs> so... For those who don't know, we record our podcast at 8 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time, Saturday morning. Bright and early and 8 a.m. <laughs> no, wait. It's 9 a.m. Cent- uh, Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time. Excuse you me. know, as the Eastern Time guy, you'd think you'd know that. <laughs> you think I know what time it is right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 9 Eastern, 8 Central. Seven. So, uh, 7%. <laughs> um. So Walmart actually was selling their uh, – so the Walmart has a promotion with the new Man of Steel movie, and um, they ha- they are basically doing an advanced screening of the movie at 7 p.m. on Thursday, June 13th. Um, I think most regular showings either start at 10 or midnight. Um, so this is the, the first showing, um, and you can only get tickets at Walmart, and they are special passes. I mean, they're they're not normal movie tickets. They're they're pretty cool looking, and they have like a Superman cutout on them and everything. And um, and they went on sale this morning at 8 a.m. And so, you know, I got burned a little bit the other day by showing up to something a little late. And um, so what I'll, I'll mention, you know, I got free passes to see Fast and Furious Six, which doesn't come out for another week. On and I was going to go see it Tuesday night. I showed up an hour before the movie. There, were, I'd say there were probably a hundred people in line in front of me who didn't get into the film because the theater was so packed. I mean, wow. they got full. Um, and there were probably they turned probably two, three hundred people away. Even though they had tickets. Even though they had tickets, but they, so it was they, free passes. It so was they, free passes. So they just overbooked. Yeah, they then they typically do on those free screenings just to make sure they're full. Sure. Yeah, and they pretty much this never happens with the free screening. I mean, I've I've done quite a few of those, and uh, it, the, the theater is never full, even though they give out more tickets than they actually have seats. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and typically and that's not been my experience. My experience is typically, you know, you show up two hours early if you want a decent seat on those. But I figured an hour early would be fine. I was wrong. I didn't get in. So I got burned on it. I said, you know what? I'm not going to get burned on Superman. <laughs> so, you know, tickets went on sale 8 a.m. this morning. I went at midnight last night to Walmart, and I was like, if there is a line, I will get in the line. If there is <laughs> at, at midnight for tickets that go on sale eight hours later. Correct. You are hysterical. Just to see the movie a few hours early. Just to see the movie a few hours early. So oh. I so I was like, if there's a line, I will get in this line. If there's no line, then I'll come back at four AM and see if there's a line. I had a plan. So I went to Walmart. I went to two different Walmarts, and I will tell you there was Nothing. Not a line, not a standee, not a sign, not nothing. <laughs> it was – I was like, um, interesting. I mean there was nothing set up. There was nothing. Wow. So, Were there uh, signs ahead of time? Because like my Walmart has signs already. Well, I mean there's, sign, there, there's a sign at the door that says, you know, you can get your, your – you know, you can get your tickets at Walmart for the 7 p.m. showing, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, those but, are the I mean, signs there I'm wasn't like about. a – there wasn't a sign that said, you know, go to the back of the store or tickets are on sale at this particular location. I mean there was nothing. Um, so what I did is I said, you know what? There is 
literally nothing going on here. Forget the 4 a.m. I'll just show up at 6. So I went at 6. <laughs> so I came home, slept, went at 6. And uh, there was, I mean, there was actually, I, I, there, there was still nothing. But there, I ran into an employee and she was like, um, no, they're doing it at the back of the store. There's no, no line yet. Come back at 7. <laughs> so I went. I got breakfast. I read a couple of comics. <laughs> Because uh, Walmart's only a couple minutes away from me. And then I went back to Walmart at 7.10, and I was the second person in line. Wow. At 7 o'clock this morning. And I will tell you that when the, the you know, when the lines, you know, was allowed in or whatever at 8 a.m., there was probably only seven people in line wow. for these screening passes. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, Virginia, Hampton Roads is not really a geek mecca. Um, so I don't know if it's just my area or what, but it didn't seem like a successful, uh, promotion here in, uh, Hampton Roads. So I'm curious, I'm, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but so they obviously didn't sell out of them if there were only seven people in line. Correct. So are they going to just keep, keep them available until they're sold out or? Yeah. As far as I know, they just keep them available till they're sold out. Okay, um, good. And, and I will say we're that podcasting, I'm going across the street to Walmart. There you go. And I will say the uh, the tickets I purchased were actually the average price um, for a 2D showing uh, here in uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia, is ten fifty, I think. And the ticket prices were nine bucks for the 2D showing. Nice. So yeah, so that they are a little bit cheaper. And with them, this is the big thing I want to talk to you guys about. Um, you get a, a a digital code to, and it unlocks three free animated episodes of Superman the Animated Series on iTunes. Um, it says on Voodoo, but I don't know what that is. Huh. That just might be the site where you unlock it, and maybe it is on iTunes. But the big thing for me is an exclusive digital comic by Man of Steel writer David Goyer. And I don't know if you guys have heard this, but the art on that exclusive digital comic is by Dan Jurgens. No, it's by Jerry Ordway. I thought it was by Wow. Dan. No, it's by wow. Jerry Ordway. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And it's it uh, the story is actually about Kara Zor-El in the Man of Steel universe. I have heard about that. So I didn't, uh, didn't I'm not the creators, but I heard about the the Kara Zor-El part of it. Yeah, which I mean, I got to be honest, I would have been excited whether it was Dan Jurgens or Jerry Ordway, right? But you know, Jerry Ordway probably did did the art on probably my favorite movie adaptation, which is the original Batman. And I I love me some Jerry Ordway. Yeah, Jerry Ordway's great. So I'm I'm looking forward after the podcast. I'm going to put in my digital code and check that comic out. I don't know if it's a comicsology thing. I don't know how it works. That's but uh, I'll check it out. I said after the podcast, I'm going straight over to Walmart and see if they still have tickets on sale because they're even going to the theater that I usually go to. So I, uh, yeah. I want to see if I'm also curious if they've got more stuff on the shelf now. If they've got any Superman displays. Um, now the one I went to did not, but I know another Walmart did have the huge display set up. Uh, this one had all the merchandise, just not in the display. And there's action figures, there's capes, there's like 20 different kinds of T-shirts, lanyards, um, flashlights, all different kinds of merchandise. Wow. Yeah, that's so, a lot more than mine has had out. We uh, we even went to Toys R Us recently just to see if they had a big display set up. And they still had the Iron Man 3 and Avengers display. So uh, my wife, because she knows I don't like to go talk to people. Huh. She went up there and asked them, uh, hey, when is the uh, big Superman display going to come out? Because I know you're going to have one. They're like, well, we usually don't get it until about a month before the movie comes out. And this was the very beginning of May. So Yeah. Now, um, I will say, you know, 
It is Walmart. So I, I do have some Walmart-like experiences. What do you mean, Paul? Well, so I get in line, and I'm the second person in line. And the guy in front of me, first of all, I think he was either drunk <laughs> or he hadn't slept in like 72 hours. Because he just looked like he was about to fall down every time he stood still for more than three seconds. I mean, he was just wobbling in place. It did, it did not look good for him. Um, <laughs> were you thinking that eventually you were going to be first in line? Yeah, you know, I did, but I didn't want to be first in line. You know, <laughs> not, uh, not under those circumstances. Not under those circumstances. <laughs> you know, and so on top of that. You know, so I get in line, or I'm second in line, essentially, and I'm like, okay, well, since there's no line, I'm going to go look around and hit the bathroom and stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll be back. And the guy, the guy, like, the Walmart guy stops me, and he's like, where are you going? I'm like, and he's like, well, hold on a second. And he writes me a hall pass <laughs> <laughs> to go use the bathroom, so I guess to save my spot in line, but. I was second in line of a two-person line at that point, <laughs> and I was when I got back too. <laughs> and so we're standing in, you know. So eventually, there's seven people in line, and we're standing in line. And this lady walks by, and she's like, "What's the line for?" And we're like, "Oh, it's for Superman." And she goes, "Superman's coming to town." <laughs> <laughs> None of us knew what to say. (laughs) (laughs) He's like like Santa Claus. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. (laughs) And if you're not good, he'll uh, he'll punch you into space like he did his wife in Justice. If you're not good, you go to the Phantom Zone. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So it was uh, it was definitely uh, an unusual experience for the. uh, It was not what I expected. I expected a much longer line. I honest, I drove by at midnight. Fully expecting there. I mean, it's Superman, and I know I am not the geekiest person here at Hampton Roads, but uh, apparently I'm amongst them. What was that, Wayne? I said I think you might be, Paul. uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not everyone has a uh, a Superman corner of their house. True, true. Well, I will say I think probably had the line actually, or had the movie actually been on Wednesday. Um, more, you know, if, if the screening had been more than just a couple of hours before the regular public screening, I think maybe there would have been more of a an attraction. But um, as such, there there really, you know, wasn't anything what I was expecting or anything what they were expecting. Yeah, I'm excited because you you described those tickets as not being normal looking tickets that they were uh, actually really interesting. So I want I want to get them just to have those as collector's items. Yeah, they're very cool. Um. You know, but it, it certainly wasn't the most interesting theater-going experience we've had this week. Uh, I know Aaron had a pretty interesting theater-going experience when he went and saw Star Trek Into Darkness at the uh, fan screening on Wednesday. I got to tell you, I, I I have been so excited about this movie. Uh, people might find this hard to believe, but while I love comics, Star Trek completes me. I am a much bigger Star Trek fan than I am a comic book fan. And uh, you know, I really enjoyed the 2009 Star Trek movie, so – when the opportunity to buy early tickets for the fan screening came up, which I want to say was February. Is that right, Paul? I think, uh, no, I got my tickets on uh, – I think I got my ticket. I looked at it the other day on March 3rd. Okay, so it was, it was, it was early, early March. March. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, bought my tickets in early March. You know, The, the wife and I went, uh, arranged our work days so that we could you know, get there in time because even though you had tickets, you needed to get there early so that you could get a decent seat. Mm-hmm. And the theater was sold the fuck out. 
I mean, there were people coming in like 10 minutes before the show is supposed to start and rather put out that there wasn't a decent seat to be had. You know, there are those those uh, seats right up there in front of the on the front row of the IMAX screen, you know, uh, that were available and, you know, just a couple mm-hmm. of odd seats in and around. But uh, it was a, it was a great crowd. You had you know people there in Star Trek costumes. Uh, and it was kind of interesting to me because it's the first time that I've observed this that there seems to be a a uh, a line between Star Trek fans now. You know, it used to be: Are you a next generation fan or are you an original series fan? And now it's: Are you a pre Star Trek 2009 fan or are you a post Star Trek 2009 fan? You know, uh, there there really seemed to be this this delineation between those two groups of fans. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but, you know, got, got in the seats, and right before the show was about to start, uh, one of the ushers comes in and says, hey, we just need to let you know that uh, we're uh, under a tornado watch right now, and if the weather gets bad, we may have to stop the film and evacuate the theater. And, you know, in in typical fan fashion, you hear people go, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> so uh, they start the movie, and I got to tell you, I'm loving what's on the screen. You know, I, I have some additional comments that I'll share for when we actually do a full review of Star Trek, but uh, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing. And 30 minutes in, they freeze on the frame. And, uh, you know, God dang it. And the lights come up and they, yeah, you know, tornado's been spotted. Uh, big storm cell is over, is over the mall. We've got to evacuate everybody. So they send everybody downstairs. And so the theater that we were seeing in was up on the third level and they take you all the way down to the basement level where the ice rink is. And, uh, we're, we're all down there for about half an hour or so. They said, okay, storm's passed. We can all go back up. They're going to start the movies back up. But I'm looking on my phone and I see that the storm ran right over the top of my house. And I was like, crap, we got to go home and, you know, check the house, make sure the dogs and the cat are okay. So I go up and I said, you know, and it's just, I, in typical theater fashion, they're they're exercising no crowd control, so it's just this storm of bodies flowing back into the you know sixteen screen theater, and uh, I go up and I said, you know, I just need a refund to come back, and she says, okay, go sit over there, you know. So there's like the the little center desk area where you know they do all their work, and she's pointing me way over across the lobby. Go sit over there, and we'll take care of you. And I know this for you know the uh, the chump move that it is. <laughs> I, I know if I go over there, I'm never seeing her again. So I just stay right at the counter to wait for her to get unbusy to take care of me. So I'm not the only one who's got this need to to go ahead and go somewhere else. So all these other people start lining up behind me. So um, when she's ready to start doing refunds, she comes over and she takes the woman behind me. And she goes, okay, ma'am, uh, you know, let me get you taken care of. So she takes care of her. I'm like, okay, maybe that was just a mistake. So she comes back and she takes the third person behind me. And now I'm getting pissed off. And so she comes back and she's going to take the fourth person. And I lean over to her and I said, lady, if you take one other person before me, I am going to lose my shit. <laughs> and she, she's all startled. She goes, oh, oh, I'm very sorry, sir. Okay. And I got my passes and I went home. I have not seen <laughs> Star Trek yet. But wow, uh, did she give you any reason why she was taking people behind you? I think she's being a bitch. <laughs> I think she <laughs> I think she was unhappy that I had started the line where she didn't want the line to be started, so she was going to teach me. 
Jeez, Aaron. <laughs> That's why I like my theory. I mean, I ran into a similar issue with uh, when I saw John Carter. Remember, I, was, uh, I mentioned at the time we had a roaming power outage based on a storm, and uh, it cut out during the storm. They had no problem giving us the you know, tickets to come back whenever we wanted. There was no line. They, uh, it was really easy to deal with them for all that. And for, uh, for Star Trek, we walked in. And we bought our tickets right as the previews were pretty much starting, walked right in, got great seats. We never have any problem finding seats in this theater, which is sad because it is a great theater, but it's never crowded. Yeah. yeah. No, I went – I showed up – I don't show in okay. business, but so which means <laughs> I don't know if that theater will stay in business or not, which is really sad because it is our favorite theater with nice, comfy seats. Hmm. You know, I showed up about an hour and a half early from my screening because this was the day after the Fast and Furious fiasco. <laughs> so I, I, there was there was a line of about 40 people, but I know that the IMAX 3D you know, theater can hold probably like a good 300 or so. So I went ahead and got a, a quick bite to eat, and then I came back into the theater. And I got, my, you know, I got pretty decent seats. And, uh, you know, Aaron had problems with the tornado – I had some problems of another kind with wind. Um, <laughs> in, in that someone kept breaking it. Uh, um, right around. Oh, that is totally my move. Like, if I ever had to wait in line for tickets for something again, I would eat beans all morning. I mean, some dude <laughs> right around me was as far as half the movie i say some dudes some person right around me was farting silent but deadly farts for the first half of the movie i mean they were bad they were something <laughs> died bad nice. so you don't even know who it was because they were silent yeah i mean I, I don't know who it was i don't know if the screen was blurry because the 3d was ghosting or if i was just <laughs> losing consciousness <laughs> oh. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but we'll talk more about Star Trek on a future episode, hopefully next week's episode. But uh, long story short, despite the uh, the farts, uh, I, I absolutely loved the movie. So, Wayne, have you seen it? Yeah, I, I, uh, I went and saw it. I, I walked in right as the uh, the movie was starting. So we bought our ticket. The movie was a uh, – it was last night. The movie was a 640 showing. Uh-huh. We bought our tickets at 640, walked right in, got great seats. Had no problems at all. I'm afraid it's already changed hands once. It's a great theater, but I guess location-wise, it's not that great of a location. Right. But that's why we always go to it is because it's great, comfy seats and no fear of selling out. Well, the, of the 30 minutes that I saw, big thumbs up. Yeah, I love the movie. I mean, I'll save mo- I'll save all my comments for when we actually do a full review of it, but. I really enjoyed it, and I wasn't as big a fan of the uh, the last Star Trek because I en- I enjoyed it. I thought the uh, I thought it looked good. It was all you know, and the action was good. But I had a big problem with the story they told in the last one. I thought it was a bad time travel story. God damn it, Wayne! It's not a time travel story. It's an alternate <laughs> universe story. <laughs> we are not doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> the point is I didn't like the last story and I did like the story in this one. So And you know you know what else Wayne likes? Or maybe I should say loves. He loves Legos. Wayne loves uh, Legos. So over the last month or so, there is a mall near where I work that's had a sign up 
saying, uh, you know, coming soon, Lego store. And I, I love Legos. I, I've gone on and on about the the Lego video games and things like that. And I've got the Lego Superman sets, some of them. I've got some of the Lego Batman sets. So I was excited that there was going to be a Lego store come to town. Well, then I noticed their signs. The uh, the opening weekend, which was last weekend, they were doing a three-day build of a life-size Incredible Hulk. So uh, I go in. I take a, I go for my lunch break on uh, Friday of that week. And I, I'm talking to the their master architect because they basically what they've got set up is they've got tables all over this big courtyard area inside the inside the mall, and the tables all have little boxes that are filled with Lego pieces, and these are the normal small Lego pieces, and they have designs on each table to show you how to build a giant Lego brick out of these little Lego pieces. So the designer has gone through and he's built this two foot incredible Hulk. And the full-size one. So I said, what's the full-size one going to be? And he's like, well, it's four times that. It's going to be eight foot tall. Was like, so that was impressive. So naturally, I built my Lego bricks so I could get the little certificate that said I helped build the eight-foot Lego Hulk. So you've got this whole line of kids going to turn in their certificate saying that they helped build it. And then you've got me standing in that line of kids ready to turn in my certificate too. But uh, I built a couple bricks for it. And over the course of the three – Go ahead. Is it a certificate suitable for framing? Uh, I don't know if it's suitable for it, but I plan on framing it. Right <laughs> <laughs> it next to his diploma. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got to, I'll pull that off the wall to put this up. There you go. But yeah, it's uh, – and then you have – at the table, you have all these kids building the Lego bricks, and then you have me there building the Lego bricks. And I watched this thing b- get built over the three days, and it just looked amazing. The uh, the architect guy did die. Uh, he built the face because the face had a lot of detail to it. Everything else was just building a giant brick and putting the bricks together. But he brought the face in separately and set it in, and everyone else built the rest of this entire thing. I got a ton of pictures of this, and it was just really cool to see. So then it was it was drawing traffic to the Lego store, naturally. The Lego store had a line of 50 to 75 people waiting to get into the store. And they had somebody at the front of the line that would pump the crowd up and get them uh, chanting, uh, let's go Lego. And then they'd let them in like 10 or 15 at a time. So there's no way I'm waiting that line. But I find times to get into the store. I've already been in the store. It's only been open for maybe a week. And I've been in it four or five times already. I, uh, I bought a Superman, Lego Superman keychain. I bought a Lego Superman magnet. And it started a new collection for me. Oh, dear. So... Well, Paul has his Mecca to Superman at his house. My desk at work is becoming a Mecca to Superman. I have got a – there's one of those uh, – because it's a, it's a cubicle. And the entrance to the cubicle, there is a big, long metal strip. And I'm slowly adding Superman magnets all up and down that, that strip. Then on the inside, I have a jigsaw puzzle of a, a dog dressed as Clark Kent – pulling open his shirt with the Superman symbol inside that. I've got the Superman domo that Paul gave me. That's sitting right between my two monitors. And then on either side of that, I have a Superman and a a Batman. Uh, like They're little figures that I've got set up. And uh, this weekend, I picked up a... It's a ma- it's another magnet that I'm going to add, but this is a plaster magnet that I got at Target for a dollar. with a. It comes with a paint set. So you paint your own Superman emblem and then slap that, you know, I'm going to slap that on my uh, my cube as well. 
So it's like a Superman paint by numbers kind of thing. Yeah, without the numbers. It's a big. <laughs> <laughs> it's alphabet, Aaron. <laughs> no, it's a big it's, Superman. It's a full emblem, like shaped and uh, 3D and all. It's not flat. Not a flat magnet. Gotcha. So, yeah, so I'm hey. slowly but surely building up my desk as a Superman mecha. Nice. Hey, Aaron. Before we uh, continue. Yes. I think your mic may have gotten disconnected. Because oh. you sound like you're through your, uh, the mic on your computer. Can you hear me now? Yeah, much is that, better. Is that better? Okay. I just, I, I'm, my mic moved. Sorry about that. Oh. So this week, getting away from Superman for a minute, Aaron emailed all of us and said, hey, have you read All-Star Western 19 yet? Um, it's not a new book. It came out in the last couple weeks. Yep, it's um, one of uh, DC's WTF covers. Yeah, and so you know it features Jonah Hex on the cover, and when you unfold it, it's Jonah Hex on point, um, or at the at the end of the gun point, uh, with Booster Gold holding a gun to him. And uh, you know we're big Booster Gold fans on the podcast, so the rest of us picked it up. And now, for most of you, this is your first issue of All Star Western, am I right? That is correct. Oh, yeah. I have not. This is one of the few New Fifty Two books I've not read. And my plan had been to pick it up in hardback, but I just have not ever done that. Yeah, Aaron sold a copy by just telling me that Booster Gold was in it. Because I I went through a lot of the WTF Month books, and I would open them up and just flip open the cover. But this was All-Star Western, so I'm like, why would I care to see what's on the other side of that cover? It's not going to mean anything to me. Well, of course it does, and (laughs) I would have bought it then if I'd have seen it, but... So, like, I, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, that um, I've been reading All-Star Western, but I've missed the last probably five to seven issues. Um, but I read, like, the first two arcs, and it's a great series written by uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, I think. Yes. Um, with art by uh, Maura Tat. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and it, it's been a lot of fun. The first two arcs were all about um, Jonah Hex and Jeremiah Arkham teaming up to uh to take on crime in uh gotham city and it looks like i don't know what happened to jeremiah arkham but he's not in the book at least for this particular arc uh, which features jonah hex teaming up with a uh, booster gold the sheriff you know and i've always liked the character of jonah hex but i just felt really burned by that horrible movie <laughs> so i haven't yeah. uh, i haven't done anything jonah hex since the movie well, I, uh, I, you know, I picked this up just because, you know, I knew Booster was going to be in it, and thoroughly enjoyed it. And it has reminded me that I need to go back and pick up those All Star Western uh, collections because, you know, I love Jonah Hex, and you know, I love the creative team on this book. I just knew that I wasn't going to that 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 I wanted to pick it up collected, and I would just save my experience for then. Uh, I love how they handled Booster in this issue. Um, I, I did too. Now I will say there, the, I did have one qualm with this book, and uh, just put it out there, I loved this. I loved this issue. Right. Um. For but as a new Fifty Two reader, if you didn't read Justice League Unlim- International, I think was the series that Booster was in. Um. It doesn't really give much description of who Booster is. You just you kind of have to know who Booster is. Right. To to understand his place in this book. Um, yeah, and, I mean, and all so, you're really given is that he's a character from the future. Yeah, so I mean, as a, as a new reader who's not familiar with Booster Gold, it might be a little hard to follow. Um, but I mean, as someone who knew who Booster Gold was, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I dug it. I dug it, and I'm in for the next issue. Now, it seemed like it was it was coming off of a cliffhanger. 
So I'm wondering if I should go ahead and pick up 18, even though he's probably just on the last page. Yeah, I was wondering about that, too, because he is asking who wants to know. So I'm curious if they showed actually showed him in the last issue. But I was kind of as I flipped it open, I'm like, oh, it it maybe the was in the last one. And he's obviously going to be in the next one because they didn't finish up the story. Right. Well, and I I, at least they'll do it. And I enjoyed the the, the other story that was in the book as well, you know, with uh, the werewolves, you know, attacking the uh, the wagon train. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I love the guys like, OK, I'm not going to be able to save all of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that a is that a, a previous character that I'm unfamiliar with, like the master gunfighter, I think was his name? Yes, I believe so. I believe he's one of their uh, I think it's one of the pre hero age or you know 50s era characters. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with him, and you know, maybe he wasn't even supernatural before. But I do like that, uh, you know, the, the supernatural western stuff, and you know, cowboys versus werewolves. You can't really go wrong with that, right? No, I thought it was pretty badass. I really enjoyed it. So, the, the only thing that I thought was a little misplaced in the story was the appearance of the Stormwatch character on the last page. <laughs> now, who was that? I mean, it just said Stormwatch, but I mean, I don't know who that was. You know, and I have read two issues of Stormwatch over the last two weeks, and fuck if I know. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I, I suppose I'm sp- supposed to know who this guy is, but I do not. But I'm sure we'll find out next week or next. Uh, yeah, next I, sure. I, same thing. I had no idea who it was. One thing I noticed, though, the uh, and I, you may not have seen them because I'm guessing you bought this digitally, Aaron. Yes. Do you get the DC Comics All Access page at the end of the digital stuff? Yes. Yes. Okay. One of the one of the things they're advertising is uh, Gail Simone has a new book with uh, Amanda Connor doing the covers. Uh, looks like the regular artist. I thought it was going to be a female artist, but it's Freddie Williams too. So I guess it's not a female artist, but it's called the Movement. Yeah, I read the first issue, and I really didn't care for it. Oh, the first issue's already out? I didn't didn't realize that. Was it more of a bowel movement? It really was kind of a bowel movement. (laughs) Um, I enjoy those sometimes. It's kind of like this underground vigilante movement taking on corrupt police force. At least that's what I got from the first issue. Um, I normally like Freddie Williams uh, the second. He was uh, the artist on Red Robin for a while. Uh, not Rob, not Red Robin. Uh, actually, just straight Robin. Before it became Red Robin, he was the artist for a while, and I really enjoyed his stuff there. Not so much in this issue, in uh, Movement Number One, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just didn't really care for the first issue. I don't think I'm gonna. It, the first issue was not enjoyable enough for me to even pick up the second. Hmm. Yeah, the premise is good, but I didn't even know the book was actually out. So yeah, I and I like Gail Simone. You know, I do like Gail Simone. I'm looking forward to her Red Sonia book, but uh, this one just didn't sell me. Well, and Amanda Connor on covers, that's got to be pretty sweet. Yeah. Now, um, you know, speaking of female creators, uh, you know, Amanda Connor used to do the art on Power Girl, and Power Girl is now uh, a main character, at least for this arc, on Supergirl. Supergirl number 20 came out this week, which was the uh, the second part, part of the uh, Supergirl Power Girl team up. And uh, I loved this issue. Um, well, and I particularly enjoy the cover where Power Girl and Supergirl are bumping titties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I uh, I really liked Power Girl's new costume that she had over in World's Finest, and I don't like that she's got the pre her pre New Fifty Two costume back. Oh, I, I know I, a lot of people love it, but I and, don't like. And, it. and maybe it's just because I hated her her costume in World's Finest, but I, I am glad to see the return of the uh, original costume. 
yeah, I, I, I like the original costume, and I love the way it's drawn in this book. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm still, I still can't go over the fact that Aaron said bumping titties. Well, they are. They are bumping <laughs> titties. Are they or are they not bumping titties on the cover, Paul? <laughs> you oh, are, are killing me right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the reasons I want to – yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this issue in particular was um, – it seems like this is the setup for that cyborg Superman stuff that we talked about last week. It does. And, well, and and you know you got a little hard when you saw it, Paul. The Eradicator. Yes, I know. Uh, I was excited. I mean, I I, I, uh, I I got very excited at the end of that. And I got to tell you, you know, th- this story we learned in the Hell on Earth story that if there is one thing. That all Kryptonians can agree on is that clones are just bad, you know, and should be eradicated on sight. And so Supergirl's got, you know, Superman has his Fortress of Solitude. Supergirl has her sanctuary at the bottom of the ocean with SpongeBob SquarePants. And <laughs> she, uh, you know, it's, it's all Kryptonian technology, it's got an AI, yada, yada. And what I love about her AI is it does kind of have a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were yeah. some actual laugh out loud moments in this book. Oh yeah, but... I, I I did. There, in fact, there you know the the AI has decided that Kara, our Kara, Supergirl, is actually a clone of Power Girl, and uh, you know where whereas you know we all are led to believe that they are they're not clones of one another, but that that Power Girl is from an alternate reality. Well, and I love that it gets into that too. It talks about the different ways you could have a clone, and one of them is an alternate reality version yeah that as far as it's concerned that's the same as a clone it needs to be destroyed so you know kara and power girl are having an argument and you know meanwhile sanctuary's ai is like addresses kara as not kara uh not, <laughs> if you would please direct your attention to the blue lights please notice the illuminated lights below you if, if you would kindly follow them and you know they're the uh, power girl and supergirl yell at sanctuary to shut up and they continue their argument and they say you know uh, power girl says you know you can't really believe that I had something to do with this supergirl me and supergirl responds with the whole reason you, you had to save me in the first place was that I'm a really bad judge of character and trusted the wrong guy power girl and power girl says but I don't know which of us should be more insulted by that statement and the AI interjects with perhaps the answer lies at the end of the blue lights. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I loved with the AI was uh, you have Power Girl outside the fortress trying to bust in, and uh, it's very well. Here, have some air and tell me what's on your mind. And then once she actually starts yelling at him, then he gets rid of the air. Right. Oh, run out of air. That's too bad. And the, you know, if that's the characterization that they bring to the cyborg Superman, then I'm all for it. Yeah. You know, because Cyborg Superman, let's be honest, I love Cyborg Superman. I love the Eradicator. They didn't really have much in the way of personality. Right. Yeah, they were were just badass. Yeah, exactly. But a Cyborg Superman who's more humorous like this, you know, I I, I think I would actually enjoy that. Yeah, no, I I thought this was great. I think it's kind of nice to have, you know, the Eradicator or Cyborg Superman characters in the pages of Supergirl versus necessarily just, you know, facing off against Superman himself. I dug it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. In fact, you know, if you you did not pick up the Hell on Earth series, which, you know, is a shame because it's actually quite a good book and I'm looking forward to getting it in trade. Yeah. um, I would say pick up Supergirl 19 and 20 and, you you know, you'll be caught up with the current – 
you know, um, status quo of the title, and they are more than worth reading. Yeah, this was the first issue since uh, Hell on Earth where I didn't feel like I've gone on and on about how much I love Supergirl supporting cast before the uh, the Hell on Earth story, and this was the first issue I didn't miss them in because I love her interplay with Power Girl, and I love the writing and the whole story to the point that. I didn't even realize until the end, oh, yeah, another issue without any of the supporting cast that are probably just gone for good now. We'll see. Well, you know, Wayne, if you like a supporting cast, you had to have loved this week's Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. You know, I really did. Because this book is all about supporting cast. I mean, it's it's you know, the, the story picks up one year after Miles's mom dies in the prior issue. And... Uh, you know, he, he is Spider-Man no more. He gave up the costume, and it's been a year since he's uh, uh, been Spider-Man. And this is really yeah, kind of getting the gang back together. You know, you've got his, his classmates. He's got a new girlfriend. He runs into Gwen Stacy. So that was the first thing I wanted to touch on was the whole one-year jump. I love that as an idea because I remember when I was uh, reading this the storyline leading up to this originally, and he got rid of the costume, and he said Spider-Man no more. My initial thoughts were, great, well, that's only going to last a couple issues, so right. obviously the death of his mother is not going to have that big of an impact. And the one year later jump, that gives you that. Yeah. So, okay, he really has walked away for a year. This was a serious – it's not a I'm going to dump my costume and then I'll be back in a week. It's been a year, yeah. and he hasn't been a superhero in any of that time. I really enjoyed that aspect of the story, that his story has progressed one year without being Spider-Man, and we're jumping in at that point. Yeah, and, and it's a good story. I mean, you know, he, he's had a year to mourn. People are, are pushing on him that, hey, you know, it's time to, to get back up on that horse. Um, Spider-Woman pays him a visit. His best friend is, is telling him that it's time. Uh, but he doesn't want to do it. He, you know, he feels like he's got a, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and that includes responsibility to himself and his family. Um, you know, and he yeah, feels and responsibility to make out with his girlfriend and get get yelled at by the school at least five times. Now, what's hysterical is that you know, uh, in in that year, Miles has picked up a girlfriend, and then you know, he and his dad go out to dinner and they run into Gwen Stacy, and it's this very awkward moment between the two, you know, between Miles and Gwen Stacy, and of course, Miles's dad has not met Gwen Stacy before. And, you know, when Miles goes off to go talk to the girl, he's like, suddenly my boy's got play. <laughs> yeah, I loved how uh, his parents were worried that he was gay and oh, with in a yeah. relationship with his friend. Yeah, with Ganky. Yeah, that was killing me. There's this whole line of dialogue about, well, you know, your mom thought you and, uh, you know, Ganky had something going on. You know, your, your mother thought years before, mom thought Ganky and I were together. Nothing wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty hysterical. Did I, you catch who his girlfriend is? Uh, yes, uh, uh, Bishop, Ka- Catherine Bishop. Yep, Katie yeah. Bishop. Katie Bishop. Well, she's called Katie here, but yeah. uh, no, you're right, Katie Bishop. So you know, in the uh, regular Marvel universe, she would be the female Hawkeye in Young yeah. Young Avengers. So yeah, I dug it. I, I think this is a great book. And let's just you know for a moment talk about the art. Uh, Dave Marquez drew this book beautifully, and the colors by Justin Ponzer are amazing. There are these beautiful scenes where they're talking under the trees, and you've got this dappled sunlight hitting them. And the the, the pages are just beautifully colored. Uh, yeah, and he does a good job when with the flashbacks. Yeah, when there's a flashback, he just slightly colors it out. Yeah, 
are, you know, it's not, you can tell that it's a flashback without the art style actually changing. It's just a coloring difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just a beautiful book. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, and I really I love any appearance by Spider Woman in the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. That is, I love that character, and she is very interesting in this book. I like that she's pushing him to come back. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like her a whole lot. I think she's a fantastic supporting character. There's a part of me that's like, ooh, I'd love to see her in her own book, and then I wonder how good that would be. You know, yeah, I don't think it would be that good in her own book, to be honest. But, but she's a great supporting character. Yeah, and you know, for uh, next issue, we get Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, I'm a big Cloak and Dagger fan, and I'm very, and very interested are. to see what they do in Ultimate version. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, fantastic book. Yeah, I mean, we've been reading it and enjoying it all this time, but it took this issue was just so good that it, you know I wanted to talk about it on the mics. Yeah, and part of that is that one year jump. I uh, I mm. really appreciate that they did that. I don't know. I don't know if I can trust anything Aaron says. What do you mean? What? Every word that well, comes out of my mouth is, is the God's honest truth. You can take that to the bank. That is a, 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 a gold guarantee, Paul. A mm. gold guarantee. Well, that brings us to the portion of the program that I like to refer to as Aaron's double fuck. Wow, because I I almost bought the next book I think you're going to talk about. <laughs> so Aaron it's like, hey, Paul, will you read a couple books with me this week? I've recommended enough shit your way <laughs> let's uh you know and one of them i was going to already read which was battlestar galactica number one from dynamite entertainment the other one i was not going to read which is the first one we're going to talk about doomsday point one um from idw written and drawn by john byrne no no let's let's get the let's get the credits right created and written and penciled and inked by john byrne john byrne yeah um it was terrible, Aaron. Doomsday no. Point One was terrible. No, it was not. It was terrible. It was fantastic. Wow. Really? I say I almost bought this book because I just saw it on the shelf and it's called Doomsday and it's a post-apocalyptic story and everyone knows that I love post-apocalyptic stories. I, Aaron, I actually you really? Liked, I actually like this book rather a lot and I'm in for issue for issue two. I thought it was terrible. I love this book. Now, I think I had a couple of issues with it, and they're generally the same issues that I always have with John Byrne. But I liked the art. I liked the story. Uh, I think it's interesting on where it's going. Um, tell me what you disliked about it, Paul. Uh, pretty much everything, to be honest with you. I didn't. I, I did not like the art. Um, I did not like any of the characters. Um, I thought it was just poorly written. You know, I thought everyone very much acted in a. It, it, it seemed just. I, I just didn't like any of the characters. I, I didn't know who to root for. He introduced a lot of characters in this first issue, and I don't know if all of them will come into play. Pretty much not, because a lot of them died, which kind of eliminates the point of why I introduced them at all um, in the first issue. It just it didn't click with me in the slightest, and I, I just really did not enjoy the, the John Byrne art on this issue. Now, do you typically like John Byrne? I used to. I will say I've not enjoyed him in quite a while. And I will say some of the, his little uh, political touches, uh-huh. like he, he, you could definitely, you know, he, he threw in some things. He has an he, agenda. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, can, you can get his agenda, you know, through, through the character's uh, words in this. And, you know, some of them were just like, really? I mean, it was just over, well, I thought, a little I, bit. John Byrne strikes me as that uh, he, he reminds me a lot of like Frank Miller and Alan Moore in that he's gotten too bu- too big to be edited and he really needs an editor. I think that when John Byrne has done some of his most amazing things, he was working under a strong editor. Um, 
and you know on these on these projects that he's doing for IDW and whatnot, he generally doesn't. You'll, you'll see edits by, but you don't have a sense that he's being corralled. You know that he's being wrangled because you know I think that that a good editor really helps bring out the best in a story. And I think mm-hmm. that, that John Byrne is one of those guys who's just like, hey, I'm going to go do my thing, and you just print what I give you. You, know, you correct my spelling, but beyond that, just go uh, go print what I give you. Um, I, I enjoyed the book. Um, now, I, I had some, I had a, a few problems with it. You know, the, uh, <laughs> the Pope... Get, uh, yeah, like, like the Pope thing. Yeah, the, that was just pope, ridiculous. The Pope getting a body double and then fleeing to safety. I'm sorry I found that offensive. Um and I'm I'm not even Catholic. Well, and, and the president thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I found that offensive. The, the and the president thing, like you know, oh, the president died, so now the president's a woman, and it's like okay, so yeah. you know, I mean, like you can his overt political leanings are in there, and you know, I'm fine with some of it, but some of it was just unnecessarily offensive. Yeah, you know, it just didn't make sense that you needed. To, I mean, maybe maybe that pope character maybe the pope will pop up later on in the series well, i'm but sure I he is because he's heading where the uh where the shuttle crew landed yeah so it just i don't know it felt it, but it didn't necessarily need to be the pope it could have been anybody right um just i don't know i, I didn't i just didn't i didn't like anybody i did not like anybody I, I felt like they could have set up this issue should have been set up for the second issue apocalypse occurring you know let's get familiar with the characters let's find out who they are but no i mean this issue is basically you know you spend half a page with one character with the characters and then all of a sudden the world blows up essentially not blows up but you know what i mean right what i what i i challenge some of the science in the book in the in the book um and i'm i challenge a lot of the science in the book well and i'm deciding to forgive a lot of that because i you know i'm hoping to enjoy the story because like i said I, i did enjoy the book um but you know they're they're flying down to uh, the Texas Central America area uh, because that that's the area that's going to be least damaged. Meanwhile, out in the ocean, <laughs> the the guys on the nuclear submarine are like, "Well, we've got to put a mile of water over us to hope to survive what's coming." Well, I don't understand how anything on the earth can survive if it, if it requires that you be a mile underwater out in the Pacific. You know what I'm saying? I mean, well, never mind the fact that the solar flare essentially got to earth within a half an hour. Right. <laughs> I mean, it just, and maybe that, maybe the timing was off and it just felt like it, yeah. but I mean, the solar flare, solar flare is not going to get to earth that fast. Ah, science. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Michael Bay's Armageddon movie was a little more research than this. I felt. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> Michael Bay's Transformers was more scientifically accurate than this movie. I kind of dug it. I, I'm in for issue two. Okay, well, are you in for issue two of Battlestar Galactica? Because I'm not on this one either. <laughs> now, I gotta say, um, Battlestar Galactica, which is the old school, you know, 1970s, early 80s. Uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica show, uh, comic book. It's old school um, by da- uh, Andy Lanning and Dan Abnett, or Dan Ann- Ann- Andy Lanning. I think I'm having a stroke. Um, was not the book I had hoped that it would be. Um, You're hoping for a good one. Yeah, I this was, and, and I a lot of this was set up, but I don't think that what they were setting up was necessary. I I, I it was not a good book. It was not well drawn. Um, the story was not well told, and I'm really struggling with, you know, am I interested enough to pick up issue two of this series? Because wow, this one really stunk. Yeah, I mean, on top of that, 
let's be honest, a very, very poor example of a first issue. Yeah, no, terribly they, bad. They just assume you know who everyone is. And, you know, Battlestar Galactica hasn't been on TV. <laughs> I mean, the original Battlestar Galactica hasn't been on TV in, God, 20-something years at this point. Well, and I feel like what's really going to get your interest, you know, at the, end of the, at the end of the issue, the Galactica disappears in some sort of temporal vortex, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm sure that we're going to go into some sort of alternate timeline story that's going to make this a whole lot more interesting. That's the story they should have led with. You know, yeah. this whole space fight thing that they did um, was not good. And, and let's be honest here, very poorly drawn. Oh, my God. Space fight. Yeah. I mean, the art in this book did not – was not well done. Um, well, and there are things that they embraced from the original series that I would not have, um, like, for instance, Dr. Z, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, brainiac small child that looks like Oliver from the Brady Bunch. Um I, I would have left that out. I would not have embraced that, you know, because it. I think that if you're trying to to put a shine on the Battlestar Galactica series, uh, circa 1980, um, for the modern Battlestar Galactica fan base, I think you got to take that kind of shit out. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, and you got to make it so that people know who people are. Right. I mean, there, there's really not any of that. Well, and, and a common complaint I have for uh, Dynamite books is they will have the best covers on the stand. You know that that the cover to issue one uh, is just gorgeous. You know the uh, uh, it's done by Alex Ross, and you've got these just you know fantastic representations of you know Richard Hatch, Lauren Green, Dirk Benedict, you know the Cylons and the Cylon Raiders. And I got to tell you, I, one of the things I really enjoy from the original series is I love that design on the Cylon Raiders. I love that spaceship. You know, and they mm-hmm. really didn't carry that forward into Galactica, the the new series, except for the Razor flashbacks. You know, you got to see them there, but uh, I uh, I really wanted to like this book, and I didn't get to. No, I, I honestly just did not care for it at all. So uh, I am not on for issue two. Yeah, I'm sorry. So Wayne, okay. Wayne, you want to read issue two with me? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so Wayne, disregard everything everything he just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am still curious about the uh, Doomsday Point one though, since one of you liked it, and one of you hated it. Get it, get into it, Wayne. Get it. So, well, Aaron, sir, as payback. Oh God, I'm not reading Spaceman again, Paul. <laughs> no, will you read Half Past Danger with me next week? What's Half Past Danger? Half Past Danger number one from IDW. The description is Dames, Dinosaurs, and Danger. Oh, yeah. Summer 1943, Probably. and in the midst of a war waged by monsters, Staff Sergeant Tommy Flynn never expects to encounter a real one. But on a remote island in the South Pacific, Flynn and his squad come face to face with creatures long thought dead. I'll read that. Yeah. And it, uh, it looks- if he reads that for you, Paul, will you read uh, Six Gun Gorilla for him in June? Yeah, of course I'll read Six Gun Gorilla. Six Gun Gorilla looks so good. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm excited about Bounce next week. The first issue of that Ricochet the series. <laughs> it sounds so similar to his character as I read the description. There is a lot of differences, but uh, this one of the reasons I'm so excited about it is it does remind me of Ricochet quite a bit. Yeah, I'm looking for. Well, I'll give that one a shot with you um, as well. Um, other also on the docket is Masks number seven from Dynamite Entertainment. How um, long is that series? Is that an eight-issue series? It's an eight-issue series. 
doesn't seem like we're getting close to wrapping it up. It, nah, I don't know. Everyone seems to be gathering at that. Well, I mean, I, it, I guess it, it still feels like we're getting the band together. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, and I think that's probably that might the, be how it ends. I mean, I've noticed that with a lot of miniseries lately. Is the first miniseries they seem to be doing, you know, series of miniseries, and the first one will be the origin story that moves you on. I mean, we look at things like Superbia did that, Fly did something, you know, like that, and uh, you know, a lot of those miniseries are really just set up for future miniseries. Yeah. Speaking of which, Aaron, did you see that thing I sent you the other day? Uh, was it the uh, thing that came in the box with the air holes? Yeah, no. Um, Dynamite is going to be doing um, a crossover between John Carter and yes. Tarzan. Yeah. Called Lords of Mars. And uh, oh, oh, I'm looking forward to that. Well, and I really enjoy uh, Dynamite's uh, Mars books. You know, the John Carter, Dejah Thoris, uh, Warlord, all of those books are just really very good. Um you know, Paul and I were chatting earlier in the week, and you know, kind of what I think some of those books suffer from is overexposure. There's so mm-hmm. many Mars books to buy, uh, but boy, I sure do enjoy them. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to. I'm definitely looking. Yeah. Now, Paul, were you reading any I'm of the uh, Lord of the Jungle books? I read the first issue. Um, I plan on picking up the rest of them. I did go to see if they were uh, how cheap they were on Comicsology, and they're still you know two bucks a piece. Yeah. They'll put them on um, sale. They're really good about putting those uh, Mars books on sale. I always pick them up on the ninety nine cent sales. Yeah. So next time they're uh, next time they're on sale, I'll definitely pick them up. Yeah. Um, so going back to next week's books, we've also got the Star Trek John Byrne collection. If you are a John Byrne fan, well, and I got to tell you, his uh, Star Trek books are fan freaking tastic. You know, and I, and I know that you you had some issues with some of his agenda uh, <laughs> and uh, in Doomsday Point One, but you know, say what you will about John Byrne, he is a gigantic Star Trek fan. Yeah, and you know he draws. He, he number one, he he knows his stuff. So if you're a, a Star Trek geek like I am, you know, and you get pissed off when somebody talks about how Star Trek 2009 was a goddamn time travel story when in fact it was an alternate universe story, Wayne, um, you're gonna appreciate John Byrne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the method of alternate universe creation, universe creation was time travel. Not oh, no, Jesus Christ! No, it Stop was sideways stepping. In fact, <laughs> Scotty can explain this to you. <laughs> anyway. <it>. <laughs> But John Byrne, uh, he John Byrne is an uber science fiction geek. You know, he is somebody uh, who will draw a Pearson's puppeteer from Larry Niven on a Star Trek cover just to uh, to win over the hearts of guys like me and Thistledown John. Um, he 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 really has an appreciation for this, and it comes across in the stories. So, highly recommend those Star Trek stories by John Byrne. Um, also, next week. Um Sticking with some of the, the bigger titles, Superior Spider-Man number 10 and Uncanny X-Men number 6 both come out next week. Um, All-Star Western number 20 does come out next week. So, uh, so if, by the time you're listening to this, you know, you'll be able to pick it up this coming week. Um, Aquaman number 20, Batman Incorporated number 11. Yes. Um, the End of an Era, Green Lantern number 20, which is the last issue of Jeff John's run. Um, also, Green Lantern, New Guardians 20, and Red Lanterns number 20, all the ends of uh, those creative teams. You know, Paul, um, my, uh, in honor of you know Jeff John's last issue of Green Lantern, my Green Lantern ball cap came in yesterday. Oh, nice. So I'm, I'm going to be sporting my, uh, my Green Lantern ball cap uh, around town today. Sweet. There you go. 
And uh, also from DC, Green Team, Teen Trillionaires, comes out, which is an, uh, another one of their new books. So some good stuff, you know, worth checking out. Lots of new titles. Uh, I am definitely, I'd say out of everything we discussed, I'm most looking forward to that Half Past Danger. That looks pretty sweet. Okay, Paul, I'm in it. I'll, I'll read your Half Past Danger. Sweet. All right, guys. All right. Well, well Aaron. Ho- hopefully uh, I will go and see Star Trek this week so we can talk about it next week. Yeah, yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed on that. You know, you know, you notice how none of us asked how you fared in the tornado. <laughs> I guess none of you care. Yeah, yeah. If we, if anything happens to Aaron, we get rid of the angry guy on the show. <laughs> then Star Trek automatically becomes a time travel story. <laughs> that is true. You have to keep yourself safe, or it'll just be time travel. Damn it! <laughs> All right, guys, All right. have a good week. Y'all have a good one. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyofMadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 